Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, man, are those New York Yankees fans a sensitive lot today, huh? It is Monday, October 15th, 2018. This is episode 175 of the Anik and Florian Podcast. How on earth did we get to 175 episodes I got a little extra pep in my step today, Ken Flo. Can you tell? I can tell. Uh, you yeah. got your coffee in. You're sleeping a little bit better. Does that mean that the baby's sleeping a little bit better or what, kid? Yes, it does. Nice. You know, I my like wife that. has just really attacked this whole baby situation. I don't That's like awesome. babies, you know. My, my <laughs> seven- and five-year-old daughters are a little put off by the fact that I outwardly don't like babies. I mean, whenever you need me to pick up the kid or change a diaper, I'm first in line, but I don't, you know, actively go pursue a bunch of baby time. I run hot to begin with. Got a baby on me. We're like 100 degrees, both of us, you know. They're little heaters. That's what people don't realize. Yeah, yeah. They're they little heaters, little man. fucking heaters. But, yeah. so is it like, but once once he starts interacting, it's cool, right? I mean, Yes, it, we're getting it, some smiles. Getting there. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. It's cool. I forget which comedian it is, and I hate to not credit the guy, but or the woman who said, you know, Oh, kids are great for like six minutes. You know, oh, I can't wait to get home and see my kids for six minutes. And then minute seven, it's uh, it's a different ballgame. But I love my kids. I'm just sick of playing at this point. Can I say that I'm just sick of playing with toys? Am I allowed to say that? I'm not a bad parent. This was not the way I wanted to begin the show. I want to begin the show with a little Yankees elimination party. So I, I like to bang on the Yankee fans, Jimmy Stewart and Kieran Portley and everybody else. So last year I posted a video of me dancing like a Yankees elimination party, and people got really upset about it. So maybe you'll enjoy this a little bit better. As Ken Flo knows, what I do is I bet on the Yankees to try to take them down. As a lifelong Bostonian and, and huge Boston Red Sox fan, I got Garcia Parra tattooed on my back. You know, like I'm, I'm all in. So these are my Yankees tickets, and we're going to rip them up for you on the show today, right? So this is a $100 bet at Red Rock. Lorenzo, you're welcome. Plus 300 on the Yankees. Nope, that is See not ya. a winner. Put that up right there. We're not going to do a lot of baseball today, folks, I promise. All right, $100 MGM Grand Yankees to win the World Series. Uh, that's a loser as well. Their season's <laughs> over, courtesy of the Boston Red Sox. And the last one, Red Rock, $400 to pay 2000 Not a great price here. The Yankees plus 500 and that Dang. is another fucking loser. <laughs> so You're the that'll best. do it. That'll do it. You're we did best. cash the the over ninety four and a half wins, but the Yankees are done. And big win for the Patriots last night. Bruce Buffer voicing part of the open for Sunday Night Football. So we'll talk to Buff yeah. coming up in a little bit. Ray Longo hasn't stopped talking or calling me since last week and the whole Khabib McGregor fiasco. So we'll take Ray Longo's call coming up here in, in twelve minutes. Kenny, it, it's amazing how much has happened since we were last on the air last Monday. It was one headline after another, but for me, I think there's really only one place to start uh, with the best mixed martial arts fighter that I have ever seen, John Jones. December 29th, he will be back, uh, and he'll be grinning ear to ear, as usual, when he makes that walk to the octagon. It'll be a rematch with Alexander Gustafson. December 29th, UFC 232. 
Uh, and that is a massive fight. And, and I think depending on which side of the John Jones line you fall, you're, you're happy to see the consensus greatest of all time make his return. It's exciting for two reasons. First of all, uh, the fact that John Jones is coming back. And I agree with you. Uh, in my opinion, he's the greatest fighter I've ever seen compete inside the octagon. You look at uh, his ability, uh, a lot like when we were talking about McGregor, to push aside all the illusions, to push aside the pressure and what's at stake that night and just bring all of his skills on fight night. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, and the, the kind of confidence that he brings in, the skills that he brings into the octagon, this is a guy who uh, can finish in a variety of ways, of course, but the first match, their first fight was an absolute right. classic, one of the best fights I've ever seen, period. Uh, that was also the first time that we had seen John Jones have to battle back, not only from being taken down for the first time ever in his career, but he was down two rounds to zero. He was on his way to lose that fight until right. he was able to turn things around literally with a spinning elbow that just changed the whole dynamic of the fight. Uh, he came back, in my opinion, to win those last three rounds and steal that fight from Gustafson. Um, it, you know, some people thought that Gustafson won. I did not. It was razor thin as far as the decision goes. Uh, but I did think John Jones uh, won. Uh, and, you know, he's one of the few guys who can deal with that reach, deal with the length. He's a little bit yeah. taller than John Jones, uh, which is always going to be an issue. But he moves really well. He knows how to get in and get out. Uh, we saw him land uh, those devastating uppercuts. I'm sure he'll be looking for those again against John Jones. And uh, I'm fascinated with that fight. So they last fought, it was 2013. And I think for both of them, they want some closure in this rivalry. And, and certainly for John Jones, the finality that maybe he didn't get the first time around when he was wheeled off to the hospital, as Gustafson was. But obviously, a lot of people did think Gus won that night, even though you and I were not among them. So mm -hmm. Jones, since he fought once in 2014, once in 2015, once in 2016. Then his last fight, the no contest with Daniel Cormier, was July of 2017. Gustafson actually has the longer layoff here, to my surprise. He hasn't fought since that fifth-round knockout of Glover Teixeira. That was May of last year, but that was maybe the best we have ever seen Alexander Gustafson mm. look. So I think that provides an interesting backdrop to this rematch. The other side of this, of course, is that Daniel Cormier, as soon as those two guys step foot inside the octagon and the clock starts, he will vacate the UFC light heavyweight title. And I know he had this this grand vision to successfully defend both of these belts now he did defend the light heavyweight title in 2018 against Volkan Uzdemir so we shouldn't lose sight of that but Cormier at this point I think he, he will no longer weigh 205 pounds or 206.2 pounds or anything else yeah. that low and Kenny I think as as friends of the man uh that at least is something to celebrate even though I know there is some disappointment for DC with this vacancy. It's not an easy way cut, and, and I know he was disappointed uh, him having to vacate the belt, but we knew it was coming, and I'm sure there was a part of him that knew it was coming. Uh, we had this before with Conor McGregor when he had the 145-pound belt uh, and, and after he beat Eddie Alvarez. Um, they took the belt from him. So if they took it from Conor, of course they were going to take it from D.C., and uh, I'm sure the organization is also, uh, despite the whole history with John Jones, happy to have a, a, a true superstar in John Jones back in the octagon, and um, having him as a, as a belt holder will be huge for them. Um, and he's a guy that is, in my opinion, will remain very, very uh, dominant in that division. Will we see a match between those guys, at, possibly at heavyweight, who knows? Yeah, I don't see it at this point, at least from everything I can glean. And I did t talk to DC offline. Mm. I just don't think Jones has the appetite for this fight right now for whatever reason. And he doesn't seem to want it at heavyweight, which mm. I thought would have some appeal to John Jones, right? right? To fight Daniel at heavyweight and sort of inject something new into that series, at least from John's standpoint. But he was not seemingly interested in that. What does DC's immediate future hold? How about 19 days from now defending his heavyweight title against Derek the Black Beast Lewis? So in terms of Derek Lewis, as many of you know, he beat Alexander Volkov nine days ago, initially on medical suspension until November 6th, which would be three days after this heavyweight title fight. Initially, it was no contact until October 28th. Um, but that medical suspension, I was told, reduced to 21 days. That would clear him on October 27th, one week before UFC 230. And, Kenny, you can probably speak to this. The medical suspensions are really just a precaution. We saw Michael Bisping was cleared to fight Calvin Gastelum right after the George St. Pierre fight. Yeah. Got a 30-day medical suspension. He fought 21 days later. So this is not anything new, and the Black Beast will heal up and maybe 
try to maximize time as best he can as he gets ready for Cormier here in less than three weeks. Yeah, those limits after the fight are, are precautionary. There were fights where I didn't even get touched, and, you know, after they gave me a 30-day suspension, right. you know, assuming I would go and see a doctor, I'd be clear. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that that's pretty normal, as you said. And um, It's a strange one, though. I, yeah, I'm a little surprised that uh, this fight is getting put together and getting put together this quickly. Uh, yeah. I know DC's hand was in rough shape. Um, and again, this is a quick turnaround. Now, does this mean that DC thinks that Derek Lewis isn't much of a threat? Uh, it, that's possible. You know, yeah. uh, I think with Derek Lewis, he's he's not the kind of guy who is going to push you with his conditioning. Um, but he is always dangerous, as we saw against Volkov. This is a guy who can end the fight in an instant. So yeah. for Daniel, he really has to balance... The fact that, yes, this is a quick turnaround. Yes, he's going against a guy that he still should be in much better shape than. Yes, he's going against a guy that he should be able to take down quite easily. But these are the kind of fights that are extremely dangerous for a right. champion fighter because if you let your guard down and you think this is just kind of another easy victory somewhere uh, against a guy that you think you fought before um, – you could be in big trouble because Derek Lewis right. only needs one and he doesn't have to hit you with the whole fist. All he has right, to do right. is skim you and you're sleeping. Yeah, just just the handle of that lunchbox gets you <laughs> exactly. and uh, you'll be looking up at the stars. You know, I don't think this is advisable for Daniel Cormier in certain respects, right? I mm -hmm. mean, certainly the payday is there. He thinks this is a favorable matchup. He's just going to smash the cardio and try sure. to get in the best shape that he can for potentially a 25-minute fight here. Uh, but it'll be a payday that will just be huge and help send him off into retirement with one or two more fights, and I can understand that angle. I wouldn't advise DC to come out and say that he wouldn't have accepted the Stipe Miocic fight the way he did. I thought that was pretty interesting. But DC's a, a truth teller, right? And yeah. ultimately, he was not going to accept a rematch with Stipe, whom he believes is 1 or 1A one in this division on three weeks' notice. He thinks the Lewis matchup is more favorable. We've seen the betting line come back a little bit here. Uh, I just think it's very interesting. I think the short-notice nature of this fight, I think, is most compelling for me when it comes to this particular matchup because both guys on a full training camp, I think D.C. would really be a prohibitive favorite. And, and there's financial reasons but behind a decision like this as well, right? I mean, uh, Stipe Miocic, um, as great of a champion that he was, you know, prior to beating DC, in my opinion, he was uh, the best heavyweight we had ever seen. Um, DC ended up winning that fight, of course. Uh, but it didn't pull huge numbers like both of them had expected. So I think DC, if he thought that he was going to bring in or potentially could bring in a million pay-per-view buys with a guy like a Stipe Miocic, I think he would go the Stipe route. I, I really right. do. But because that's not going to be some huge fight... Um, you know, I think he could probably pull the same numbers or, or perhaps more against a guy like a Derek Lewis, who yeah. has become such a huge fan favorite oh, um, yeah. on the heels of this Conor McGregor fight. Um, you know, the guy has gained well over 500,000 followers and, you know, kind of has a big following because of his knockout, the way that he won coming back yeah. and, and the post-fight interviews, of course. And then you go to his Instagram, you're like, oh, I got to follow this guy. Oh. Uh, so he's become one of the more intriguing characters in the UFC. This is the dream of kind of any UFC fighter who um, isn't a champion to get a following like this. Um, so it, it's exciting, man. And, and it is a dangerous fight for DC. So that, that makes it intriguing. DC right now minus 600. Derek Lewis coming back at plus 425. I remember the first time I got a combo feature from the UFC to voice for Derek Lewis's UFC debut. And it said the Black Beast. And I was all in then, you know. And now look <laughs> at him. He's won 9 of 10. He's fighting Daniel Monster. Cormier for the UFC heavyweight title. So, all right, Khabib Nurmagomedov, Conor McGregor. Want to address all the feedback from last week's show because I think it was more feedback and a lot of it constructive than we have ever received. We spent a lot of time on UFC 229. And, of course, that post-fight spectacle with Khabib and Connor. So as we were talking about the fight, I suggested that I had heard some rumors that some circumstances backstage for Connor were not ideal. Now, in hindsight, I regret not specifying what I was talking about on the show because it led to some mass speculation as to what I was talking about. Now, first, I'm going to say, and Kenny can certainly attest to this, we hear and see so many little things and details uh, backstage and otherwise that this audience would find very interesting. And we would like nothing more 
than to crack a mic every Monday morning and share all of that with you. But of course, 90% of the time, that stuff either off the record or it's just not to be discussed. And that just sort of is what it is. For the record, I will say, if you did not see my tweets in this situation, I didn't hear anything about threats to Conor McGregor nor his family. I didn't hear anything about Conor having staph infection. I didn't hear anything about Conor having to pass a kidney stone. Uh, I didn't hear of any ailment that would have adversely affected his training camp or his performance on fight night. All I did hear on good authority was that the locker room was chaotic, a lot of people coming and going, and I guess that doesn't deviate from the norm necessarily. John Cavanaugh was asked on Twitter about there being a disturbance back there. He denied that. Of course, a disturbance was not directly what I was implying, uh, far more salient than that. And I guess this is what I was ultimately referring to. Um, Connor had his hands wrapped by a cut man who had never wrapped him before for the biggest fight of his life instead of Kavanaugh or maybe whichever coach normally wraps Connor McGregor. Uh, it was a cut man and perhaps Connor was a little bit surprised by that reality or how that came to pass. I don't believe it had any impact on the fight. I think if Connor and Khabib fought 10 times, Nurmagomedov would own the bulk of that series. I just want to make one thing clear. On Saturday, October 6th, uh, this was not Conor McGregor's most efficient UFC effort to date. You know, from the time he left his hotel room to the post-fight press conference, inefficiency was the word Kavanaugh kept coming back to on Joe Rogan's podcast. That was two days after the fight. I think Conor Kenny can put himself in a better position to win this fight against Khabib if there is a rematch. But I also think perhaps some of the little things start to add up and can adversely affect the overall. Without a doubt, and you got to look at um, what might be the root of the problem. And the root of the problem might be the fact that this guy's got tens of millions of dollars in his bank account. Yeah. Um, you're not fighting for the same thing anymore in, in a lot of ways. And no matter, and, and this is the kind of plight of every professional UFC fighter who has made it, or professional fighter who has made it, period. How how do you make the money and still retain that same kind of hunger and willingness and passion to train for every single fight? How do you get treated like that amateur or that that new pro who's coming up in the game? Because when you're the champ and you have all that money, everyone loves to praise you and build you up all the time. But guess what? That's not what you need to do all the time. You, need, you don't need to tell the champ how great they are all the time. Um, sometimes you have to be extremely and brutally honest with that person. And if that person has reached a certain level of celebrity or a certain level of star status, you might not be able to be as blunt as you were in the past, right? You see yeah. all these, you know, Hollywood actors and all this stuff, and these people that they keep around them to make them feel good and all this stuff. Right. They've completely changed. And a lot of that is because of the status and because of, you know, what they think they need to do now, uh, now yeah. that they're successful. And, and that's the toughest thing about it. Um, so, again, you know, there was another thing Kavanaugh said that if he were to do a rematch against Habib, if they did take that rematch against Habib, that he would do a Rocky Three style um, right. training, training environment, um, which means that he would get out of that gym. He would go, um, you know, have a lot of people who are going to be brutally honest with him and push him and just got to get away from the distraction. And that is a yep. very difficult thing because you got a lot of people and to be candid, a lot of leeches uh, around you. I'm not saying that's the case with Conor McGregor, but there are a lot of people that just want to be around you. And guess what? You're not helping for my fight. Get the hell out of here, period. Yep. Yeah, Kavanaugh looking for three months in isolation, essentially, and I think that's that's ambitious given all that Conor McGregor is right now, not to mention the fact that he's a new father. But a lot of rumors floating around there last week, and some of those did get attributed to this show, so I felt the need, at least close to the top of the show, to set the record straight. But let us not keep a good man waiting on hold any longer. The Ray Longo Minute, let's get to it. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Dennis Bazookcha. If you uh. don't know... Now you know. Sometimes lost in this UFC bubble, we don't realize that Ray Longo is a working man about 50 weekends a year. Congrats yeah. on a monster effort Saturday night, my friend. How are you? Yeah, yeah. unlike Conor McGregor, I don't have the money problem. <laughs> Danny, I'm still grinding it out, man. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that money to see if I can handle it. Oh, unlike, man. unlike him, yeah, and I slept my ass to the Coliseum for a very 
good, great up-and-coming fighter, Dennis Bazooka. What a night he had. What a way to start his pro career. He picked his shots beautifully, was patient, was great in the dressing room, was all good. And uh, I'll go back to that in a second, but I was listening to you guys talk. I just want to chime in a little bit because, you know, we I kind of got beat up a little bit with the kind of hating on Conor McGregor. Let me say one thing right away. Love and respect John Kavanaugh. I thought he came, he's an honest, sincere guy. I thought he came across great on Rogan. I listened to it twice. I thought he was fantastic. And believe it or not, after listening to him, I kind of even have a different view on uh, on uh, Conor McGregor. I mean, I thought he just came across really, really honest and sincere. And he seems like a great guy. Uh, so there's no, you know, I just, I'm just calling balls and strikes the way I saw it. That right. what went down and you know like it or not i thought you know that was it that was just the way i felt and that's not changing doesn't mean i like or dislike connor right i think he's a good fighter but i i totally disagree with the way he handled the bus thing and everything else and right what I, that's never changing so i just want to i listened to what you guys were saying i think kenny you were spot on with uh all the guys that hang around you know and you know i mean look yeah. as a coach that's why i empathize even with kavanaugh if you don't think I have those guys that get in Weidman's ear, yep. or, it, it's it's absolutely awful. It's always an idiot. Sometimes, you know, the guy has a lot of money, so you think the guy knows what he's talking about. Right. But it's it's just not a good scene, man. And, and if you're not grounded as a fighter, you are going to get sucked into all the bullshit that these fucking idiots have to offer. And it's, it's horrible because you got to remember, I went through with Sarah, man. Sarah was just probably the most grounded guy I ever knew. I mean... He would defuse that shit right at the beginning, man. Right. You could see the way he conducts himself now. You're not getting over on that guy too easy, you know what I mean? But some guys, you know, they 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 buy into shit that even if you tell them, it's it's it, it's a rough go. So yeah. I, I empathize with Kavanaugh a lot, and that's the way to do. It. You got a clean house. You got to keep that circle small because there's so many fucking idiots out there that will come in. And really try to derail everything. The strongest thing we have is our mentality before a fight. And you get someone whispering in your ear or, or telling you certain information. It, become, it, it can become like a poison. You know, it, it really can. You, you think, if you say it enough times, you're going to start to believe it. And you get people, oh, you're unbeatable, you're the best, blah, blah. It's like, the positive energy is great, but when you're telling them and you're skewing their reality the other way, it, yeah. it can be really dangerous. Yeah, Kenny, you are so spot on. And I'm telling you, there's not a coach that ha can't, you know, elaborate on what you're saying. And it's it definitely, it's it's sad to see sometimes. But, like, again, we try to keep a really small circle over here, and it helps smart. out. But even with that, there's always guys seeping through the cracks, man. It's 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 crazy. It really is crazy. So, yeah, kind of goes back to basics. He does that. He'll have a, a way better night the next time, guaranteed. Because I know a lot of guys, my, you know, that that I train that had losses. That I'm telling you, nothing to do physically what was going on, yeah. but mentally they're in another spot. And uh, you know, another good guy to to listen to is Teddy Atlas because I think he, you know, he carries on that Gus uh, D'Amato mentality. And yeah, there's there's times in there when you got to look at yourself and. He said something. If you're not the guy, the one he said the one thing Tyson was good at was spotting who was the guy, and that is really true, man. It's a moment of truth in there. That octagon will eventually reveal who the fuck you are, man. And it's that's why it's no joke, man. And you got to be squared away. So if Khabib and Connor fought ten times, how do you see that ten fight series playing out? Uh man, it's a, it's a great question. I, I don't know. I think. Look, I think looking at the fight, you could see Connor had his moments, but he just, you know, by that time he was too gassed out. So, I don't know. I'd say uh, Khabib probably wins 7 out of 10. All right. Well, I listened back to your whole take on this from a week ago because I wanted to have all the information. I thought you made a lot of good points. I disagree, of course, on many others. I feel like the only way to settle this thing is to have Ally Aquinta fight Connor McGregor. I mean, look, wouldn't that be great? You know what I mean, look, I'm going to tell you something. That Let's fight, go. I think, would remind me of Gotti Ward. You know <laughs> what I mean? I think that's what it could turn out to be, you know? Yeah. Good Irish guy against a good Italian guy. I think that, you know, and I get, and at the end of the day, those guys would probably be friends. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, I think that would be a great fight, man. Look, I mean, even with a rematch, why would, I mean, we know why Connor would get the rematch over Al, but it really isn't fair. 
I mean, Al did take the guy to distance on, on a day's notice. And right. he had, you know, he didn't prepare for him. He prepared for a three-round fight. So right. I don't care what anybody says. You know, yeah. looking back on that, it still was a, a moral victory for sure. And, you know, Al's not quitting, man. You see him. He's not tapping. You got to put that guy to sleep. That's why Khabib yeah. said he's the real gangster. That guy's not fucking around. You're not going to see that guy tap. He's done it before. He will right. go to sleep, and that's the sign of a true warrior. I just want to see it. Ally Quinta, Conor McGregor with Longo in the corner. And I think as long as we purge episode 174 of the Anakin Florian podcast, maybe even you and Conor could get on the same page. <laughs> if you get on the same what? The same page. As long as we burn last week's episode, I think you guys could, could get past a lot uh, of things. I look, even if you see, listen I'm to Kavanaugh. Look, Come if on. you listen to Kavanaugh on the Rogan podcast, I don't, I, look, I get on the same page with him tomorrow. I'm not a, you know, I, I don't have no, I that know. type of animosity. You know what I'm saying? It is a yeah. sport. And you're going to do what you have to do. And look, there's all guys that we fought. I mean, we're all great friends. Look at George and Matt. I mean, St. Pierre's a great dude, man. I always love seeing him. Him and Matt have a great relationship. You know, they were yeah. going at it, you know, back and forth, but in a different way. You know, it was more tongue-in-cheek and humorous and, you know, facetious. And, you know, but they, you know, they, they have a great relationship. And that's the way it should be. I mean, so I could... I could give you some negative slants to it, but, you know, they didn't get to the extremes where they were insulting each other's religion and the family and, you know. Well, I, I love the passion of the fans, but what, what bothers me is when someone gets mad at someone else for their perspective on a fight. Like, I didn't agree with Ray either, right. but I'm not mad yeah. at Ray and I'm not insulting the guy because he has a certain perspective. That's his opinion. That's what makes this great that we can discuss right. this and you have yeah. your own perspective based on what you saw and what your experience is. That's it. But like yeah. people get so crazy about these things, man. You no, know, no, I, I once took a class, Ray, and I'm what sorry to interrupt, but I once took a class called opinion versus agenda. Right. And I think a lot of people come at this can flow with an agenda. Right. right. The three of us, this is our opinion, whether you like it or not, you know, in some respect, all three of us are in the opinion based business, Right. There's no agendas here, and if you believe otherwise, then uh, yeah, then, that's, then that's, have that a nice Monday. Crazy. And I'll tell you, John, the people that say they won't listen to the podcast, I'd really like to apologize for absolutely <laughs> nothing. nothing. <laughs> I mean, so this is fun. That's if our that's think, our commercial right there well, for the John I mean, the Anakin Florian podcast. <laughs> right. right there is yes. Ray saying that. That's beautiful. But, hey, but even listen. when Kyle, let me tell you something. The funniest line he ever said was when Jeremy Stevens said something on that podium and he just <laughs> yeah. really out of nowhere said, who the fuck is this guy? I mean, this guy is funny. Keep he it is. like that. You yeah. know what I mean? There's no there's no animosity anywhere. Trust me. Yeah. You know? All right. We got to move quickly through these final topics here. So UFC on Fox Lee versus Aya Quinta. Two, Oof. it's got a nice ring to it. Ally Quinta getting the main event rematch here with Kevin Lee. If Al makes that walk December 15th, this is small potatoes, but I owe you more than $1,000 if he makes that walk against Kevin Lee. You told us way before the fight was announced that it was going to happen. Get on him. Sorry, <laughs> I just wanted to tell us she can go out and buy that TV she was looking at. But real quick, so Al's third UFC fight was against Kevin Lee. He's had seven UFC fights since. For Kevin Lee, he fought Al in his UFC debut, lost that fight. It was his first pro loss. Kevin Lee has wanted this one back for a long time, Ray. December 15th, two months from today, exactly, it shall be done. Yeah, well, he's going to get it. He finally got his wish. So uh, it's going to be a good fight. Listen, Kevin Lee's really improved a lot, man. There's no question about it. So I think uh, it'll be a different fight with the same outcome. Uh, because I mean, Al's improved also. So you know, I think it's a listen, it's a great fight. A lot of respect for Kevin Lee. He's I think he's done a great job with his career, and uh, yeah, it's good they get to settle it again, man. We got Rockhold and Weidman in the rematch. Nineteen days out. By the way, I got a great tweet here, Ray. Anik, thanks for the work you put in. Seriously, I'm almost as big a fan of yours as I am of the one and only Raymond Peter Longo. I don't even totally, want to totally think. impossible. That's a fabrication. That guy's <laughs> fake lying. news. Can't the be. Aussies love you, Ray. I, I don't even want to think about where this podcast would be without the Ray Longo minute. But I know you uh, are a busy man, so unless you have anything else, uh, we will let you get on your way, sir. Hey, John and Kenny, just call them bulls and strikes. Don't take huh. it. Uh, don't yeah. take it anything past that, man. I got to call it the way I see it, and and that's it. I love but, it, man. I love it. Again, a big shout out to Dennis Bazooka. Great pro debut. At the Coliseum in his backyard, everybody was happy. It was a great crowd. 
Um, but just, I'm really happy for this kid. This guy's the limit, and I wish him the best of luck. For a 20-year-old, he seems very grounded and was warmed up like a pro in the back and took that walk oh. and did his thing. And I, I took a chance because that's a big venue for a pro debut. Hey, but, uh, maybe yeah. he ends up with tens of millions of dollars in the bank account one day. See? Yeah. Holy and it crow, just comes full circle. Maybe then I could stop doing this. Holy crow. <laughs> yeah. I want to hey, know what that keep... feels. Kenny, I want to know what that feels like. Woo. Just hey, swimming just, in the just... money like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Hey, just tell him to uh, to, to renegotiate every fight like his mentor ally, Quinta. He'll be just fine. <laughs> right? Let me tell you something. I, Quinta, is slowly becoming my hero. He's like, he's a cult. <laughs> he's a, that's why he's a cult favorite. What was that movie with uh, Christian Slater where he was on the run with that girl and he became like everybody was behind him? I think that's Al, man. He's just like a rebel and everybody's getting behind him. But he is funny, man. It's awesome. The irony is that there's a lot of Conor McGregor in there, but that's a conversation for another day. Hey, go check out that NFL ratings report. They're just they're doing just fine without you, Ray. We'll talk to you next week, okay? <laughs> well, good. I'm, I'm happy for them because they're one less person. Yeah. Love you, you, buddy. Thank you. See you, Ray. All right, bye. Ray Longo every week here on the Anik and Florian podcast. Well, Christmas has come early for me this year, folks. I don't see well. I've worn contact lenses for 25 years, got my contact lens prescription renewed today while sitting on my couch using an awesome new app called Simple Contacts. So anyone who wears contact lenses, you need to know about this. Simple Contacts lets you renew your prescription and reorder your brand of lenses from anywhere in just minutes through an online vision test designed by doctors Every test is reviewed by a doctor, so they're essentially bringing the doctor's office right to your home. But I honestly couldn't believe how easy the process was. The vision test, self-guided, takes five minutes. It's 20 bucks, and the contact lens prices, of course, are unbeatable. Shipping is free as well. And for listeners of the Anakin Florian podcast, you get $20 off your first simple contacts order with promo code ANIC. Try it for yourself. Save $20 on your lenses by going to simplecontacts.com slash ANIC or by entering the code ANIC, A-N-I-K, at checkout. Now, I will tell you, this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam, so you still do need those occasionally, but this is the most convenient way possible, I can assure you, to renew a prescription and reorder your contact lenses if your vision has not changed. The test confirms your 2020 vision, and you are off and running. Simple Contacts has also been rated five stars over 5,000 times in the App Store, not too shabby, and it has all the brands and types of lenses you are familiar with, so you don't have to shop around. So again, $20 off at simplecontacts.com slash or just enter my code ANIK at checkout. Save time, save money, and save yourself a headache with simple contacts. All right, now joining us on the guest line is a man who, you know, if I got married this weekend, Ken Flo, and you'd be there too, but he'd be in the goddamn wedding party, I think. <laughs> uh, dear friend and colleague, and perhaps more saliently to this audience, the veteran voice of the Octagon, future UFC Hall of Famer, the venerable, the inimitable, Bruce Buffer is with us. My man, good morning. I love it. I love it. The checks in the mail, John. Kenny, John, how are you, boys? Thanks for having me on the show. I know where to get my contacts, and I know who's going to do my PR. It's all good. Hey, I am here for you. And, man, were you here for us who are still football fans watching Football Night in America last night. Now, I knew this was going to happen. You and I had talked about it prior. And part of me wishes that I didn't know that you were going to be voicing over the introduction for Sunday Night Football a game in which our beloved Patriots were involved. It's on your Instagram. I tweeted out a video today as well. Congrats on a really cool opportunity and, and bridging my UFC to NFL gap, something fierce, Buff. Pretty cool. Oh, thanks, John. I really appreciate it. I guess it was a lot of MMA yesterday because uh, even Conor McGregor was uh, over at the Dallas game on the field with Jerry Jones pushing his uh, proper 12 whiskey. Um, MMA meets NFL. Sunday, Sunday, baby. It was a, a real honor. Tissue, Very much man. an honor. I actually was worried it didn't make the cut because it didn't come on for a second. Then when the mic came down, my whole family and I were like, yay. <laughs> it was cool. So cool. And again, you can see the 45-second video. It's up on, on social media channels. But So I, I think what's cool, too, is that people who listen to your podcast certainly know that you are a, a massive NFL football fan. You have action on a lot of the games on Sundays. So that had to be pretty cool when, when that shows up in the inbox that they want you to voice something like that for the National Football League. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, I mean, basically NBC contacted me, and, um, you know, what an honor to do it. I mean, how can you turn something like that down? Even even for the little payday you get, that's all great and fine and dandy. I'll be the first one to cast a check next Monday. But it's just the honor of being on it, and it's a, it's a bucket list, John. 
I had a Super yeah, Bowl commercial, and now I had a voiceover on NBC. What's next, baby? 50-yard line? We'll see. It was amazing. How did it get put together, first of all? First of all, timing is everything, man. It was an amazing game. Uh, but how did that get put together? They contacted me on Wednesday, and um, it was like a rush job, needed to get it done. So I got in my studio. I did it on Thursday. Uh, my producer, TJ uh, DeSantis, called me up, and we refined it on his end, got on the recordings on Friday. And then they said, yeah, they love it. They love the enthusiasm. They love the energy. Just can you get it down to 30 seconds, which we did, and the rest is uh, history, you know, as I waited. But like I said, I was sweating a, a few bullets because I mentioned to a few <laughs> people that it was going to happen. Then I'm like, oh, my God, it's not going to happen. <laughs> but then it happened. Kind of like waiting for me to do the 360 at UFC 100 if you were Joe Rogan. I was Joe Rogan at that moment. Right. Oh, having Buffer, Brady, and the Patriots was uh, was pretty special, man. Hey, listen, I want to circle back to, to the last to last weekend with the whole Habib and, and, and Connor thing. Where were you when, when it all went down, and, and what was your reaction? Well, I was at my desk usually, which is uh, the uh, table right beside the entrance where the fighters walk into the octagon, and I was just getting the time card, you know, the timing of the uh, submission, everything down. Then I look up, and all hell's breaking loose. So it was my normal reaction my entire life is I always run into the fight. So I, I ran into the octagon, not to be, you know, not to fight, of course. I mean, whatever happens, happens. Ah. But at that point, you need to create a decorum. You need to be in there to create peace. And I noticed the commission was not dealing with it. Not that they didn't deal with it well, they just couldn't control it. And then Metro's in there. And um, at one point, Dana says, he's got to get out. The, the, the one in the red shirt that jumped in and punched Connor. So I'm like to the police, he and out, you know, he's out. So they get him out. Dana comes in giving Dana a ton of credit because this is not my first rodeo. There wasn't his first rodeo, but he knew immediately that if we put the belt on Habib in the middle of the octagon, it was going to be bottles and can time. And lo and behold, he was correct, because if you notice when Habib hit the tunnel, he got pummeled by beer and cups and everything. So Dana's whole thing was, they have to both be out of here. Buff, you make the announcement. We can't have this inside. We've got to keep peace. Kenny, you've been involved in mixes. John, you've seen plenty. I have been involved in some horrific melees for non-UFC events and other sporting things, the tide can change in a second, and people do get hurt. Now, I'm very upset that this happened, a horrific way to end an amazingly perfect evening. It is not what we're all about. I know I said this before, John, your commentary was magnificent, along with Dom and Joe uh, dictating the situation. But people and fans listening and watching, this is not what the UFC is about. Do not expect fights to break out at UFCs. This was a one-time situation. It occurred the last time this occurred was a long time, many, many, many years ago. Yeah. So it's one of those enigmas, and we have to get through it and move on. It's interesting to hear your perspective, Bruce Buffer, with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Because Kenny Buff and I had a conversation before the show, as we often do, about mm. you know once Bruce does his main event announcement, his night is essentially done. Right? right. He goes, enjoys the main event, and then they hand him a scorecard, and he announces the score. But yep. he has seven seconds of work after his big moment, right? And then, of course, on a night like this, Bruce, you th Bruce, you th you're sitting back in your seat. You know, you could be drinking proper twelve whiskey, and the next thing you know, all hell breaks loose. Right, right. It's it's just one of those things you have to be a prepared for. B, you're not prepared for it. But anything can happen at any given time. It's like when I walk in a restaurant. I walk in a restaurant, my back is always against the wall, and I know where the exits are in case anything right. comes down. It's just the world in which we live, and quite frankly, that's how I'm going to be from now on, because look what happened last Saturday night. No call right. for well, it, no reason for it. The amazing cool cat in Habib Nurmagomedov has now become the ultimate villain. It's amazing how things change overnight. It is, and I like how you're talking about the back you know, face in the room, because if you've ever broken bread with Kenny Florian, you know that's his seat, okay? Ken Flo needs to have uh, a, a look at the room just to make sure that if, you know, hello, trouble, Tim Kennedy, right? If trouble's coming, Ken Flo has to have a view to take care of that trouble. It's the right attitude. Listen, Wild Bill Hickok, uh, he got shot from behind with a poker hand that was aces and eights. They call it the dead man's hand, and that's because he had his back uh, facing the wall. Never have that. Kenny and I fight for seats every time we go out to dinner. There's only two of them against the wall. We're going for it. This is true.
All right, Buff, last thing, I'll let you go on this. And again, I appreciate you hopping on to celebrate what was just a really cool night for you on Sunday. Daniel Cormier is stepping up here on short notice, and short notice would apply to Derek the Black Beast Lewis as well. This is the main event, Madison Square Garden, UFC 230. This is 19 days away. And I'm not sure how the betting line would be affected if both fighters had a full training camp, but you're a fan. You're following the daily headlines. What was your initial reaction when you saw that you know, it seemed like hours after Derek Lewis rallied against Alexander Volkov, uh, his his bout agreement for a title fight was signed. Well, that final punch that he threw in that final second of the fight last week catapulted Derek uh, to a higher level financially, fan-wise, everything. The man is one of the most entertaining fighters out there. His interviews are just historically funny, as he proved the other evening. This is a very entertaining fight between two very entertaining people who actually can face each other, not talk curse words and smack talk to solve the fight, but solve the fight through the humor and the individual uh, warriors that they are, as witnessed by a video they did recently and released the other day. I'm very much looking forward to this fight. Uh, Daniel Cormier has proven himself to be the GOAT, and he's working to be even more of a GOAT. He's now holding two belts, probably have to give up one. He's fighting a beast. Cardio is going to be a big issue here. 19 days of training have to be serious training on Derek's part. No screwing around. Cardio, 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 cardio. DC always finds ways to win, but he's dealing with a monster. And we'll see how he can toss him and move him. And you know Buffer's cardio is going to be on point. UFC 230. We will see you at Madison Square Garden, New York City. And, hey, thanks again for punching that Brady take hard at the end there. I thought you nailed Tom the Goat Brady and – you, you nailed it, Buff. What can I say? You always do. Well, thanks, but I also had a little emphasis and a little direction from a very close friend of mine named John Anik. So, John, <laughs> man, thank you. My I, man. Good job. I punched it for Good you, job, baby. Buff. I punched it. <laughs> hey, I love you. Enjoy it. We'll talk to you soon, all right, man? You're the man, Bruce. I love you too, guys. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks, John. See you, boys. All right, there he is, the veteran voice of the Octagon, Bruce Buffer. We had him in studio with us back in August, but... As soon as I saw that this morning, I didn't see it live, but I taped it because I knew it was happening. As soon as I saw that, I figured, got to get Bruce Buffer on to talk about it. And if I was a better radio producer, I actually would have repurposed the audio for you today. But I I had my head in the sand when it comes to Khabib Nurmagomedov. And speaking of which, I want to get to a few items relating to Khabib. A lot of news surrounding him as the Nevada State Athletic Commission continues to hold his $2 million purse from UFC 229. But he went to bat for Zubera Tahugov, who was to face Artem Lobov. That was going to be October 27th, 12 days from now in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. So that fight is not happening. We don't know if the UFC will stay true to the initial word that Tahugov won't fight in the UFC again. Could you imagine, though, Kenny, if they reverse course and this fight happened with Tahugov and Lobov and you had, I know Connor doesn't always corner Artem. But you have McGregor in one corner Man. and Habib in the corner of Zubera in 12 days. Could you imagine? There's got to be part of Dana that's thinking, oh, man, I'd love to scratch that itch, but I'm going to leave it alone. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a whole – it's a whole under, uh, another issue. And if there is another problem off of that fight, then, right. yeah, there's, right. that's tough. Right. So we'll see what happens there. Now, Habib well, has called out – go ahead, Flo. I was going to say, so – so uh, Zubaira is go- – he's not fighting he's not that fighting. night or he's it, gone from the UFC? So he's not fighting October 27th. That's all I can tell you. So gotcha. we'll see what happened. Right. But Khabib so, obviously threatened the promotion sure. and said, if you cut this guy with finality, then uh, I'm going to find a way to get out of my contract as well. So we'll see yeah. okay. what happens. We set up a lot of the past precedent last week in terms of fighters like Jason High and Paul Daly. I'm not going to rehash all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Johnson might be the potential replacement for Artem Labov, mm-hmm. which would be uh, a high-profile opponent at the very least for him. Now, Khabib has invoked the name Floyd Mayweather recently. He says there can only be one king. We're both undefeated, 27-0, and 50-0. So Floyd responded in kind early Monday morning on Instagram and wrote CBS Showtime and MGM Grand. Get the checkbook out. Go to Leonard Ellerby's page to view Khabib Nurmagomedov challenging me. Uh, Ken Flo, you're smirking. I mean, I'm not trying to give this a whole bunch of legs here. I know Pacquiao and Mayweather are to rematch likely in December. But my question for you is why would Floyd even acknowledge this if there wasn't some semblance of interest to see monetarily what could be out there with this fight? Well, that's exactly why he's doing it. He is... He's trying to see how much interest there is around this fight. So he will entertain this, see what the response is, and then make a move off of that. Um, Is this a fight that's a possibility? No. 
And, and <laughs> you know, it, for boxing, it doesn't make sense, right? I mean, Habib, yeah. a, a, as amazing and as tough as he is, he isn't a boxer. Um, that's not his thing. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him, you know, throw Mayweather around the octagon a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's that's a fight that's probably yeah. not going to happen. But, you know, I, I think he's testing the waters a little bit. You get an undefeated mixed martial arts fighter against an undefeated boxer and, um, you know, two guys that have faced Conor McGregor. It's interesting. I don't, I don't think it has enough legs, though. So if Floyd Mayweather was indeed soliciting public opinion and Kenny Florian's opinion, uh, he does not have a potential pay-per-view buyer in Ken Flo, who would reluctantly watch I'm busy fight. that weekend. I just, I got right some, before, yeah. Well, yeah, you're busy. Yeah. Uh, celebrating my, like, year and a half anniversaries. No, right. we right before we cracked a mic today, I saw that post. So uh, maybe it was against my better judgment to bring it up. All right, final thing before we go. UFC 232, December 29th. We talked about John Jones and Alexander Gustafson mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, I can't properly state my enthusiasm for that fight. But Cyborg versus Nunes. I want to get an early read from you because people are starting to talk about this fight. It has been officially announced by the promotion. This is the first women's super fight in UFC history. Chris Cyborg, Amanda Nunes. Don't even try to tell me it doesn't qualify as a super fight. Now, Kenny... The reason I bring it up today is because there are a lot of people online and even some expert analyst types that are not only suggesting that Amanda Nunes is going to win this fight, but that she is going to stop Chris Cyborg, knock her out, finish her. And I think therein lies the appeal of this fight is that for the first time in a long time, with respect to Holly Holm and everybody else, Chris Cyborg is going to be staring across from a mixed martial artist that a lot of the betting masses are going to get behind and feel like she can actually get the job done and put away um, the beast that is Chris Cyborg. Your thoughts? Yeah, listen, no disrespect to um, Cyborg's previous opponents, but I think that each and every one of those fights was like, all right, well, let's see how Cyborg's going to destroy this woman. You know, that that really, if we're being honest, is what that was about. Amanda Nunes is the first woman who's going to go in there who really has the skills to beat Cyborg. Will she beat Cyborg? I'm not so sure. Can she? Yes. She has the striking ability. She has the toughness. She has the other skills like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and and the takedown game um, to pose a big-time threat to Cyborg. So that's what makes it so interesting. She does have that speed. She does have that power um, that can win her the fight and, and also get her a finish in that fight. So that's really what makes it so intriguing. We have two women that have elevated their skills to the point where they are the most dominant women in their divisions. Um, so I, I think it, is, it truly is the right time for this super fight uh, here yeah. in the UFC. Um, it's an amazing fight. Uh, both women have showed a dominance, an aggression, a finishing ability that is second to none. Um, yeah. And finally, they, they're able to meet their match. So uh, great fight. Can't wait. Cyborg's been must-see TV for 10 years, so I don't know what you're waiting for there if you haven't tracked her career. And for Amanda Nunes, just the championship confidence, the big fight experience that mm-hmm. she has accrued. Oh, UFC 232 shaping up as a big one. Of course, the next pay-per-view is UFC 230. We've got Moncton coming up in 12 days, so we'll be back next week with predictions on that. Before we go, though, I wanted to thank Scott Coker for what was an incredible gesture this past weekend. So Sydney Geller, uh, daughter of our late friend Adam Snacks Geller, of course, the man who our Fighter of the Year award is named in honor of. So Sydney was allowed into the Bellator cage over the weekend. She was wearing a gi and gloves. Oh. And I think seeing that visual, Kenny, yeah, I mean, it was it was emotional for all of us who knew Snacks because we know what it would have meant to him. Um, but I think it was also just a little bit depressing to see that visual and the fact that Adam, because Adam would have made that moment happen 10 times over, right? Oh I mean, God. Sydney probably would have fought in the UFC, if I, right? You know, so uh, it was a little bittersweet to see that. But the gesture certainly was not lost on those of us that, you know, are still affected on a seemingly daily basis uh, with the passing of snacks and sort of another sad note on the way out. um, I want to pass along our deepest sympathies to UFC veteran Bubba McDaniel. If you didn't know um, the passing of his young son, Wilder McDaniel, I believe five years old. Ken Flo, I was looking back at the archives. We called his UFC debut submission win over Gilbert Smith back in 2013. Just hard to fathom what he and his family are, are going through, man. I, life is hard, man. You know, I don't know what else to say. Uh, burying a child is one of the most difficult things I think any parent um, can deal with. Um, you know, being a father now myself, uh, that is a major, major fear. 
Um, so, yeah, my heart goes out to that family and what they're dealing with. And um, that, that, that is extremely difficult. And um, my, my prayers and thoughts are with them. Bubba, we're thinking about you, man. The MMA community has and support. They have a GoFund. Is they have a GoFundMe yes. as well, right? That we yep. should support. If you find Bubba McDaniel on social media, the GoFundMe out there to try to get some of the funeral expenses. I think they're looking for thirty-five thousand and are coming up on that goal. Um, McDaniel too has some momentum as a fighter. I, I will say too, you know, he's thirty and ten overall. I mean, this guy's been in some wars and he has won four in a row and seven of his last eight. And I know that's a distant thought right now, but. Um, much love to Bubba McDaniel and his family as they go through what is really every parent's worst nightmare. All right, we got to bounce on out of here. Good show today. Constructive power hour, I think. MayRockyBJJ.com if you are in the Los Angeles area. 11677 Santa Monica Boulevard. I have the address memorized. If you want to see Ken Flo in the flesh, like, what are you doing, right? <laughs> like, I know sometimes meeting public figures, you know, get a little bit nervous, you know. Go to MayRockyBJJ. Tell them John Anik sent you and ask them what the fuck they can do for you. I've been telling you people, just walk at <laughs> the door and say, Anik sent me. Like, what can May Rocky BJJ do for me? Thank you. Well, when they meet me, they'll be a little disappointed. But if yeah, they I, trained at, at Meraki Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, they will not be. I promise you. I just yeah. can't believe how groomed you're keeping this beard all of a sudden. A little, I mean, tr- I a little more trim. A little more trim. It looks good. Yeah. We I'm, can I'm getting see ready you. for November. I think I'm going to do the whole November thing. So you might see the stash back. So All right. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. I like the stash, but I think it's a good look. For the first time in five years, <laughs> we can see Kenneth Allen yes. Florian. All right, thank you to our guests, Bruce Buffer, Ray Longo. Of course, we are back next Monday. Full preview of the UFC's first jaunt to Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. Main event there, Vulcan Uzdemir, Anthony Lionheart Smith. With that, for Ken Flo and the rest of our Fox Sports crew, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate Thank you for all the feedback. Keep it coming in at Anik Florian Pod. If you want to be in the main event challenge against Ken Flo, Anik Florian Podcast at gmail.com. We'll talk to you again in less than a week. Until then, don't text and drive. Go later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckel SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.